Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a business, I've met many, many successful people, entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes a person successful? Do we know what success is? And the all important question, can we create success for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. If today's guest's story and achievements don't make your jaw drop, I'm not sure what will. Dame Stephanie Shirley is quite a woman. She arrived in the UK in 1939 with her sister as a refugee from Germany to escape the Nazis. In 1962, at a time where being a woman in business was an incredibly challenging business, she set up her first organization with just six pounds and went on to become the CEO of a multi-billion pound IT consultancy group. Now in her 80s, she doesn't look it, I have to say, Dame Shirley is showing no signs of slowing up as her work as a philanthropist is continuing to make millions of pounds for a cause very close to her heart, autism, following the tragic loss of her autistic son at age just 35 in 1998. I really am very humbled to be introducing a lady that has been described to me by many people as wonderful, lovely, dedicated, the list of accolades. Oh, keep going, keep going. (laughs) And I am totally, totally delighted that the wonderful Dame Stephanie Shirley could join us today. She's a very, very busy lady. So how this happened, I have no idea, but I'm not complaining. Dame Stephanie, welcome, welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Thank you for inviting me. Lovely. Well, we've got 30 minutes. I have no idea I'm going to do all this. Uh, Let's start in the most obvious place, if we may. Your your childhood, leaving home, and, and your parents during the war. Uh, how, tell us a little bit about what, what happened. Well, if we've got a long time, I could tell you everything that happened to our family in exile, because there were four of us, the nuclear family. Uh, my father was uh, interned to Australia, a place called Hay in New South Wales. Um, and um, my mother, refugees were only allowed into certain jobs. And for women, this was domestic service uh, or teaching. And she started in one and finished up in the other. Uh, My sister and I went to school. We changed schools several times, uh, largely to get mathematics training for me. Um, And we really um, had things very easy compared to with so many children affected by the Holocaust. Um, But it was difficult coming to... England in 1939. We came on the Kinder Transport, a, a ghastly two and a half day journey uh, on a train um, of a thousand children aged five to 16. And finishing up in a strange country with a new different language, with strange parents, odd foods, um, and in particular, a lot of, lot of rain and a lot of things that, um, we, you know, we had different food here that in Germany would be considered only suitable for cattle. So it was, it, was, it was a big transition. But the thing is that that transition has actually driven my life because having got through such a traumatic change, nothing really phases me anymore. Um, and I've learned to actually welcome change, Um, I like to do new things. I like to make new things happen. And my drive to 
um, justify my survival when so many children, a million children died at that time, um, really has driven my life. I, I try not to fritter my days away. Um, I want to make my life one that was worth saving. That is as strong today as it was 80 years ago. Um, and it's not healthy for a small child to be told, aren't you lucky to be saved? Aren't you lucky to be saved? Um, yes, I was lucky. I was very lucky in my foster parents who brought me up as they would their own children. And I am more English than the English. I am their child, really, in all but births. Wow, that is quite a story. And uh, to your earlier comment, if we did have longer than half an hour, I'd, l I'd love to delve more deeply into that. But um, you've, you've succinctly put uh, what is an incredible story and clearly some, some story that spans a number of years. You, 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 obviously, your own experiences, Dame Stephanie, um, are certainly not unique, but as you say, they've shaped you and they've driven you. Um, for the people out there that have not had that kind of grounding, that, that upbringing, and, and let's hope for their sake that they never have to go through what you went through. What do you say to people who are facing change or a challenging point in their life? Because we don't necessarily want to go through what you went, to, uh, went through in order to, to be shaped, but how do people develop that resilience that you have clearly got? Well, the resilience certainly is, is one of my characteristics. Uh, and it's something that is highly valued by all entrepreneurs because we're remembered for our successes, but we, we're, we're there because we actually can, can survive our, our disasters. And most of us have had a large number of them. How do you develop that? I suppose through practice, through not avoiding difficult situations, for trying things, of, of taking the job that perhaps gives you a little frisson of fear because you're not quite sure whether you can do it. These are the things that actually develop you as a person and from which we learn. And innovation always comes from the hard times in life. It's not just that necessity is the mother of invention, but all the difficulties in life give also opportunities and mean that you, you are left... I mean, after the 70s recession, so many of the, my competitors had actually disappeared from the scene. I'd hung on by my fingernails and so increased my market share and managed to hold it as the market went up again. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I think hardship, it does give you an opportunity. Um, it gives you far greater understanding of life and of other people. I'm sure even today, when I meet someone, I can sometimes tell if they've been through that sort of hardship or they've lost a child or um, a lover early in life because you, it, it, it somehow does something to you mm. and it's not all bad. I, yeah, I agree. I have a personal experience. I lost my father when I was very, very young and uh, stepping into my late father's shoes, you know, was not an easy start to life. So I, I, that resonates with me very much. Um, let's talk about the 1960s, setting up a business as a woman uh, with all the inequality, and there is still some today, as we know. But um, I'm very, I'm particularly intrigued to know about your nickname, Steve. Tell us about your nickname, Steve, Dame Stephanie, and how that came about. Well, in the 60s, women were really second-class citizens. Um, certainly financially, and we, starting a business is a financial 
Act. Um, financially, women were not allowed to take on the higher purchase agreement, hire a car, um, you're not allowed to work on the stock exchange, drive a bus, fly an aeroplane. I mean, I even had to ask my husband's permission to open a bank account. Um, so we started off really with people laughing at a woman running a serious business. Um, you know, women did have tea shops and perhaps run a little hat shop, um, but a serious business with ambitious plans uh, was not the sort of thing that was expected of women. And so they laughed at me. And they laughed even louder because what I was doing was trying to sell um, software in a computer business that was still virgin territory. Um, and at a time when software was given away free with the hardware, so people just sort of said, of course, of course you can't sell software, it's free. It's like trying to sell the air. Um, so I started off with um, a need to toughen up, to say, well, you know, this is what I want to do, this is what I can do, this is what I can offer the market, um, and really um, became, uh, I, I, I hope not aggressive, but I certainly became much more assertive. Um, prior to that time, I think I'd always sort of crept around like a little mouse. Sort of, I hope my voice is not going to squeak um, because all the meetings were, were, I was the sole woman and I remained the only woman and first woman this. And I was the first president of the British Computer Society, a fact of which I'm very proud. But I mean, it was tough breaking in. And again, that, that toughness was, was a good start. What was your motivation? Or, you know, was it, um, was it, did it come from a, a desire to prove yourself as a woman, you know, brackets feminism? Or was it something that came from your early experiences as a child? Did you feel you had to prove something to yourself or, or to your um, close society? I, you know, what, what is it that drives you? Well, what drives me is certainly my refugee start. Um, and that's depressing because... People sort of say, once a refugee, always a refugee. And I always say, no, that's not true. I mean, my life has been so good. Um, but what started the company was definitely a variety, of, a variant of feminism, because women were leaving the computing industry um, on marriage or when their first child was expected. And that was absolutely the norm. Certain organizations, banks, for example, wouldn't employ married women. Um, British Airways, whatever it was called in those days, uh, wouldn't employ um, married hostesses. Um, so life was quite difficult as, as young girls turned into mature women and wanted to do their own thing. And I started the company as an opportunity for women to work in the way that they wanted, which was very much the way I wanted, um, family-friendly, um, very flexible, and we provided flexibility in the extreme. We had masses of people working at home, combining it with either elder care or looking after young children. And it was very much, I think that kept me going, really, because uh, it, had I failed, I wouldn't just have failed myself, but I would have failed all these women, um, current and coming up behind me, um, who we, we, I was trying to get into a professional workforce. So very visionary. I mean, you, you really were... Um... I mean, really set the standard, not just for women in business, but also uh, 
a, a marketplace which um, has changed significantly over the years, but one, one could, could easily refer to you as a visionary. Would that be fair? Would you accept that? Well, it's either visionary or disruptive, depending on how you feel. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll take either. No, I mean, clearly, clearly led the way. That's, that's what comes across loud and clear. Now, you are, I, I cannot let this opportunity pass without talking about your amazing work for charity. Um, in the introduction, I mentioned um, the, the loss of your son at a, at a ridiculously young age. I, I cannot accept that people can maintain a desire to raise money and to do as much philanthropic work as you do, Dame Stephanie, uh, unless you're really, really passionate about it because often the, uh, the desire to keep going wanes over time. But you are as passionate about that today as you've ever been. So uh, was it just the loss of your son? Is it more than that? And, and how have you managed to sustain that incredible work that you do for, uh, for so many people? Now, I started giving back. I mean, I was given so much as a child. What, what else could I possibly do but give back? So I've given back either time or skills all my life, I hope. Um, and for many years, I've given serious money once I'd, once I'd made some because it was 25 years before my company paid a dividend and you know, a long time before I had any what is laughingly called free money. But I was well into um, supporting computer projects. Um, then my son was born and I became interested in autism. And while a lot of people were starting to support computers, nobody was supporting autism. I became the major philanthropist in that area. And I like to be a leader. I like to set the tone. So I began funding autism projects, partly to help my own son, uh, my first charity, which now looks after 250 um, people with autism, 24-7. Um, he was the first resident in the first home of that first charity. And it was in the middle of my second charity, which is a very, um, my pride and joy, really, uh, Prior's Court School, which has um, pupils with autism, very profound people, children who, mostly without speech, many epileptic, clearly very vulnerable pupils. And I was in the middle of setting that up when my son died. And in fact, I lost all momentum for about six months. Um, but the project did take off in time. And my aim is always to get charities not only started, not only set the culture, set up the original management team, select, decide uh, what it's aiming what its mission is, um, but also to um, make sure that it can run without me. And with that school, it, it took me five years um, to get it sustainable. Uh, and then as planned, um, I backed away and now I just visit it as a VIP. And it's wonderful because we get these very vulnerable pupils into um, employment. Uh, modest employment, market gardening, cleaning the vegetables in the kitchen. We started an artisan bakery, which is something that um, uh, they enjoy doing, and it's, very, it's quite labour-intensive. Um, and um, that really gives me an enormous kick every time I see it, partly because, the, you know, the children clearly are developing. Um, but the third charity is much more intellectual. It, it's... Um, um, research into autism, medical research. 
Uh, and that is probably the most strategic and the one I'm largely raising money for these days because the other two are, are set up. Whereas um, Autistica, as it's called, um, really spends the money as soon as people give it because that's its purpose in life is to fund research. And I think we've got 44 research projects running in this country at the moment. So it's becoming quite significant. And ability to change and make things different. It's not daily, it's not weekly or even monthly. When you look back over the years, yes, it was like that. Yes, it's now so much better. And I was part of doing that. Oh, well, well, well done. Kudos to everything you've done. And um, we are going to do something on the Sandro Forte podcast that's never been done before, Dame Stephanie. And with the help of your uh, lovely uh, job sharing EAs, Linda and Leslie, um, I wanted to, um, you may not know this, but I have my own little charitable foundation. It's very modest, doesn't get anywhere close to doing what you've done. But having raised a lot of money for charities over the years, and as I sit on a board of trustees for a very large worldwide charity, we're going to do two things. Uh, and, and this is a first. The first one is we are going to um, arrange through Linda and Leslie a donation of £1,000 on behalf of the Sandro Forte podcast. And we're also going to make a grant application uh, through the worldwide charity that I mentioned to you before we came. That is absolutely wonderful. And I do assure you it will be well used. What a lovely surprise. Thank you. And we deliberately left it as a little surprise. It's only a modest sum of money. But nevertheless, I hope it does go to help. It's, it's, um, it's not the, the, the amount. It's the thought behind it. Thank you very much. Our pleasure. Uh, now, you've won numerous awards and titles over the years. How important is recognition? It, it is extremely nice to be recognised and um, more so than I deserve because there's so few women around and so, you know, you stick out from the rest. It does help with fundraising that people know my name. Um, it's helping, I think, to uh, drive a film that's being made of my life, um, which is supposed to be starting this year, but obviously now going to be 2021. Um, and that sort of um, legacy that somebody will be looking at what I did as to how you can make, turn the disasters into some sort of success, whatever that means. I mean, I try to lead a, a spiritual life, not just concentrating too much on the, on the material things. Uh, we live quite modestly, um, very happy with that. Um, and I prefer to really concentrate on ideas, on people, on concepts, on dreams, um, rather than, I have fancy clothes actually, uh, but rather than the material things in life. Well, you're looking rather lovely today, if you don't mind me saying. Um, very, Thank very, you. Very colourful indeed. Uh, what about, um, of all those achievements, which one are you the proudest of? Sorry to put you on the spot. Is there one that particularly stands out for you? Well, the one I'm happiest with is actually Prowse Court School. Um, I love going there. Um, but the one I'm proudest of is having taken my company into co-ownership. I don't know if you've ever considered doing that. But I I'm, uh, intended for it all to go to the staff. Um, but in fact, I only managed to get a quarter of it into the hands of the staff. But don't cost to anyone but me. Um, but I'm very proud of that. And that culture still exists, even though it's been taken over now by Software Stereo. 
Oh, that's a that's a lovely thing to do, and and hopefully a few people listening have, have picked up on that one as an idea. Now, I I, I also need to ask this because this is the thing I secretly love about you. Some of your comments uh, in the past, it would be fair to say, have caused a bit of a stir. Uh, is this intentional, or is it just you know what you've got to say is a fact? So you just you just say it. I say things as I see them. And when I see something controversial and comment on it, yes, people jump up and, and, and say, fancy saying that. Um, it, it, it's not deliberately to be controversial. It's just how I see life. Mm. Well, you stated before that, that women today won't, don't want to pay for the cost of success. I think I'm right in quoting. Tell me more about why you think this is the case. Well, just while we're on the subject of uh, your views on different things. It's it's true for, for people generally, it's not just women. There is a cost for success, um, health, family life, um, time, uh, stress. Um, certainly, it's not for everybody because it takes so much out of you um, unless you're extremely lucky or born into a 40 family, may I say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a poor relation. I want to make that very clear. <laughs> poor relation, you know. um, but when you've got absolutely nothing, uh, and it's very different building up a company today where you spend the first time just raising the money. Uh, women have difficulty in raising, raising uh, venture capital, and quite clearly, uh, women still have a lot of the soft sexism that uh, is a remnant and is being uh, addressed by the Me Too movement. Um, so things are tough. But the difference is that uh, in my day, I was fighting against legal issues that we were not allowed to do something. And that most of those have gone now. Um, whereas today's young women are battling against um, cultural issues. And that's much more difficult because you can't get hold, hold of them. And you can't tell quite when you've done them. Um, but they are continuing to fight. Uh, the men are starting to join in some of the battle because it is quite ridiculous that half the world's population um, should behave like a minority uh, and be at the behest uh, of the other half. Now we're talking to you today, Dame Stephanie, uh, with um, probably the biggest threat to our society and certainly the economy since World War II. Now obviously you are well qualified having lived through both. Um, how different do you feel the threat and fear is today compared with what you had back then? I know we're not comparing apples with apples. No, the, the, there are comparable things, and it does make you think of, of um, World War Two. The main difference, I think, is that now the threat is worldwide and nobody's to blame. And that gives um, commonality, community spirit, um, and we know that there's no point in, in blaming anybody. Uh, whereas at one time, yes, we blamed the Germans, we blamed the Japanese, and, and sometimes with reason at the time, I shouldn't quote that thing. But that's the difference. <laughs> <laughs> you, what advice um, would you, based on all of your experience, uh, and, and there's lots of it we know, what advice would you give to anyone in business that is currently trying to figure out how best to survive. You know, you talked earlier on, Dame Stephanie, about hanging on by your fingernails, and it was that resilience that 
not just got you through, but grabbed you some market share when everyone else is kind of retreating and heading off in the opposite direction. So how, how best do people survive during all of these challenges that, that we're facing at the moment? And indeed, then to recover and grow subsequent to, to, to all of this? I guess best business practice is to go for partnerships, not try to do it on your own. Um, alliances, mergers, partnerships. These really are the laboratories of this century. Nobody does much by themselves anymore, either as individuals or as organizations. I think it must be to go digital, whatever your business is, that is the direction you're going. And as we all use Zoom and Skype and the others, digital mechanisms to communicate, that is part of tomorrow's business wherever you are and whatever you're doing. I mean, I think it was Samuel Johnson who sort of said, um, when you think you're going to be hanged tomorrow, it focuses the mind enormously. And I think that's how one needs to grab the current situation. This is a chance to um, show your mettle. This is a chance to grab the opportunity, make something positive of it, um, and see, um, see that where that takes you. Do you think the world today is a better place, notwithstanding the coronavirus and all the issues that brings? Because what I, what I heard my parents, God rest my father's soul, but when I heard my parents say, in, in my day, and I even find myself saying it to my kids, in my day it was so much harder, is, is easier, if, if you believe that the world in which we live is easier, is easier a threat in itself? Do you, do you believe that it was harder in your day? Um, or do you think that it's harder today for whatever reason? Or can you not compare the two? I mean, I'm quite sure it was harder in my day, but that doesn't matter. What is more important is that it's harder in other parts of the world. We're speaking from the Western world, um, and um, it, we've almost got soft with our, the amount of choice we have, the amount of free spending money we have, um, the way in which... Um, we have mastered or we thought we had mastered nature in order to get more food, more this, more that. Um, and suddenly we realise that the environment um, can't be exploited indefinitely um, and that people really have to consider um, themselves as individuals and themselves as a community. So it's an exciting time to be alive. I think this um, coronavirus period and lockdown will be something that will stimulate um, art and um, creative things in the same way that World War II did. Uh, it takes time to do that, um, but it will, will, I'm quite sure, happen. Um, so in an odd sort of way, I'm glad I'm still alive to actually see this very strange thing that's happening to us. And, and if you don't mind me saying so, looking, looking at you, I think you're going to be around for a very long time yet. So on that basis, what's next? I mean, you are still as driven as ever. You're still as busy as ever. What, what's the what does the next five years hold for you? What are you working on at the moment? It sounds ironic, but I have in the recent years become interested in the legacy that I leave. Partly the film, which I mentioned, the book, Let It Go, the... Um, 
charities that are now sustainable and will be there in a hundred years' time, or well, certainly some of them will be. Um, but I was asked by Kent University to um, get involved with a new um, philanthropy archive, um, trying to record um, what philanthropy, how philanthropy has changed in my lifetime, what I have done philanthropically. I mean, I served as the national ambassador for philanthropy in 2009, 10. Um, so it, I, uh, the Shirley Foundation, my, my charitable foundation, will be the first entry into that UK philanthropy archive. And that's taking tremendous effort. Uh, everybody does it for me, of course, uh, but it's nice to think about it. And I'm taking the uh, lockdown time to write another book. Well done. Very well done. So um, you've mentioned a couple of things, the book, uh, we know about your philanthropic work. I'd love to take this opportunity to ask you if you would help us to um, easily find or identify all that lovely stuff that you're doing. So could you just run us through uh, the names of your charities once again? And if there's any social media connections that we can look up, because there's a great many people listening to this podcast that would love to find out more about what you do uh, Dame Stephanie, so if you can give us any indication as to how we find out more about this wonderful work you're doing, that would be terrific. Well, if I, uh, if I list the actual pro major projects, Autism at Kingwood, which is the support service 24-7, lifetime support, um, Priors Court School, uh, which is um, school and young adult centre, Autistica, for medical research, the Oxford Internet Institute for um, looking at the social aspects of this network of networks, um, and finally the IT livery company in the City of London. That's impressive. I wouldn't even remember that list. So um, no, well, there you are. That's that's impressive and in itself. Yeah, should my office send you all the emails and things? Absolutely, and we will the make addresses. sure that we will make sure that everyone gets those as part of the uh, as part of. That would be lovely. Absolutely, yes. absolutely. I really appreciate that. Final question, if we may. Uh, it is the only question that we ask to all of our guests, and I've heard so many wonderful things from you. I, I've, I've been furiously scribbling, as I'm sure everyone listening has as well. Um, let's let's put you in a kind of a. Um, in a situation where you're having a conversation with a with a young person who comes up to you and says, Dame Stephanie, I am, you know, 20 years of age. I really don't know which direction I'm heading. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ambitious and I've got a great idea, but I don't really know where to start. All I'm looking for is a few words of wisdom based on all that amazing experience you've got. Um, how best would you help them in a few words to find their way in life, a kind of a summary of everything you've ever learned in a few words of wisdom, if that's even possible. I try to concentrate on doing the right things rather than just doing things right. And I stick at that. That's a, that's a lovely way to, uh, to finish what is it's not often, I've been struggling for words today because I keep looking at you thinking, wow, you know, um, in a few years from now, if, if I can be half the person this, this wonderful woman is, I will be very proud. Flattery will get you everywhere. <laughs> I, left, I left it to the end just so you didn't think I was trying to butter you up. Uh, but it's been, I mean, a, it's been a joy. I'm struggling to find the adjectives to describe uh, how in awe of you I am and everyone listening 
can be nothing other than inspired at what is an incredible story. And maybe one day, especially if I keep helping you with some funding, you might come back and tell us the full story about what happened uh, back in the day. I should, I should really like to do that. Well, it's been, a, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, as, I, as I mentioned at the start, um, a real honour for me to be able to speak to you today. And thank you so very much for sharing what is an, an utterly astonishing story with lots and lots of people across, I think, 41 countries now. So on behalf of all of those listening, please continue to do everything you're doing. Thank you so much for joining us. And long may you continue doing all those great things that you're doing. Thank you. Well, what can I say? Thank you for joining us on the Sandro Forte podcast. Wasn't Dame Stephanie Shirley absolutely amazing? I'm just in, totally, totally inspirational. Remember, each week we've got a new guest joining us. They're going to have to go some way to live up to, uh, to Dame Stephanie. But remember, they're there to share their own insights into achieving success or overcoming life challenges. Please make sure you subscribe. Follow us on social media, Sandro's podcast. Same on all channels, don't forget. And please email us with those questions. It's hello at sandrospodcast.com. And remember those other things to leave the reviews on iTunes. They're really, really important so we know what kind of guests you'd like in the future. And if you share, if you tweet, if you um, like our uh, podcast posts, then you are in for a chance to win one of the prizes donated by one of our lovely guests. So until this time next week and another fantastic guest, goodbye for now. 